everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. The mistakes that I made were unavoidable in the sense that I was creating this out of thin air. And Ivan and I were just making stuff up as we went along. In 2008, the economy had tanked and John McDonald was left at a crossroads. Rather than withdraw into comfort, he took the opportunity to do something a bit crazy. John was a woodworker who spent time at trade shows, and someone once came up to him and suggested that he make cabinet doors that fit with IKEA cabinets. Is that even a business? With nothing to lose, John launched Semi Handmade to do just that. Now, a decade later, Semi Handmade has seen double-digit year-over-year growth and has been featured in countless blogs, interior design social posts, on the feeds of influencers worldwide, and in the homes of tens of thousands of people. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, John tells the story from start to finish, including how he built a successful e-commerce custom cabinet model on the backs of the IKEA brand, and how he's now launching into the D2C space. From finding the right partners, to building an omni-channel experience, to challenging yourself to strive for more, you'll learn something from John and his story that might just help you level up your e-commerce business too. Enjoy. Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com commerce. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show and I would really love it. So please let me know how I'm doing and give me a rating, give me a review, let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder at mission.org. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with John McDonald, the founder and CEO at Semi Handmade and also Boxy. John, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. So before we get started, I was hoping you could give me a little background. And for anyone who doesn't know what Semi Handmade is and also Boxy, like how'd you start it? What is it? How do I think about it? Sure. So Semi Handmade uh, is a company that's been around, I guess, just over 10 years now. Uh, we're based in Southern California and we make doors that fit IKEA cabinets. And so what that means is, you know, if you want to buy a kitchen, bathroom, closet, media system. Uh, Ikea, for the most part, gives you the amazing flexibility of not buying their doors. So for a kitchen, you'd buy the cabinets, you'd buy the interior interior components. And then we have um, over 40 different options from entry-level doors to some really high-end, one-of-a-kind um, offerings. I love that. So do I kind of think of it like white labeling? For, like you take Ikea's right. bones and then you can add like rose gold fixtures on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the credit obviously goes back to Ikea and this is a, an ever expanding ecosystem that's been around probably for 15 years now. People that make 
uh, amazing slip covers that you can put on their sofas, people that make furniture legs, uh, companies like us that make fantastic cabinet doors. And yeah, it's, it's a way to get um, sort of a, a really high-end look for a, a really mid-level price. Um, and I'm even fortunate to grow quite a bit with that. That's great. And how did you come to this idea? So, I mean, I'm always honest and clear that this was, uh, it's a spectacular idea that somebody gave to me. Who gave um, it to you? I, I think his name is um, David Stewart, right? And he's a, I think he's a photographer, but I mean, like, I'm 53. Um, I don't know if I'm older than a lot of the people you talk to. Um, I came to think, I mean, I came to things a little bit later. I was, I, I had moved to California from the East Coast when I was 21, wanted to get rich and famous, work in the film business, didn't really have any kind of plan, kind of bounced around with that was writing, not making any money like everybody else on your waiting tables. And then I kind of, you know, woke up in my early 30s and said, I got to do something with my life. And so I think that was, I mean, it was kind of post 9-11, which is, you know, wake up call for a lot of people. Um, and I tried a bunch of different things. And then I, I somehow landed um, in woodworking and furniture making at first and cabinetry. Um, and I got good at it. And so, you know, through the late 90s and early 2000s, that's what I was doing. Southern California-based custom furniture and cabinetry, a company called Handmade. And um, I worked hard and I, and I approached it like a business uh, into my late 30s, um, which was different than a lot of other people I knew, like craftspeople, spectacular artists, but just no head for business, no interest in business. And I always looked at it like as, you know, a business like any other. And so um, that's what I was doing through the, again, the early 2000s. And I was you know, networking and blogs had just started to happen. It, I was doing a lot of woodworking um, shows, but also design shows. And at one of those design shows in 2008, I think somebody came up to me, this guy randomly and said, have you ever thought about making doors for Ikea cabinets? So was that something that others were doing? Like, why did he have that idea? And then was like, you know, I'm going to tell John to do that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, there, there, you know, I, again, I, I, I always want to give credit where credit's due. So on top of him, there, there is a company, there was a company called Schurz, um, based in North Dakota that, that has been making doors for Ikea cabinets a little bit prior to that. And so, um, but people were always sort of making their own doors as well, right? And it is because Ikea lets you not buy doors when you buy their kitchens. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what, why he mentioned it. Um, I think part of it was because when I did those shows, uh, it was a show called Dwell on Design, which was a great show in, in Southern California at the time. And back when, when Dwell Magazine was really in its sort of heyday, and just an iconic brand. And I was always like the, the, the sort of one-off independent kind of company. And it was me and all the big brands. So it would be like Kohler and Caesar Stone and Sub-Zero. And I was there alongside them and with my little custom furniture setup, you know, and, and he, I don't know if he took a liking to me, but we just spent th that day, the Friday, and then the following day just talking about it. And it was, I had no idea what he was talking about at first. That's awesome. And then for people listening, I know when I first heard of your brand and was kind of looking yeah. through it. I'm like, oh, they, you know, is this like a small thing, a big thing? And then I was looking through some of the stats and you've been named like the fastest growing private company every year by Inc. Magazine. Well, yeah, one, one like, of, yeah, one of many. Yeah. So yeah, Inc. Yeah. Inc. 500, yeah, Inc. 500 originally, we've been on that list, I think six or seven years now. And you've had double digit growth for almost yeah, a decade I mean, year over year. Yeah. You're so big. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's exciting. It's not, I'm again, one of many things I, I try to be Candid and clear, but I never expected this. I never thought in a million years I'd be doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and, and every year that we were fortunate to grow, even my sort of ambition or, or dreams, I got kind of got bigger, right? So it's like get to a million, get to two million, get to five million. And so it's been exciting. And I, I believe me, I don't take it for granted. And that's kind of why I enjoy doing things like this because I always 
I was at 40, I was newly divorced. I didn't have any kids at the time. I have a son now who's nine, but um, I lived in my shop for a year, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I got divorced. I didn't have anywhere to live. <laughs> I mean, I had options, but, but I, I wanted to sort of hide. And so I lived in my woodworking shop and I lived on my sofa with my dog. And I just said, I got to do something else. And so it was a, it was a huge wake up call. And that's when the, the, I, the conversation I had, I think six to nine months prior was like, maybe I should try this, you know? And so again, in terms of the second X in life, whatever, I was 40 and had no clue. And, and so 10 years later, it's, you know, it's, it's different. Yeah. I mean, that's very inspirational and cool to hear about and cool to see where you can start and where it can grow to. I mean, how did you grow the company? I mean, from starting out where you're woodworking, you know, you're building stuff and then you're like, okay, I'm going to buy Ikea stuff and make it better. I mean, how did you get in front of people and be found Yeah. Be found in general. You know, like anything, um, Stephanie, it's like you you look back on it and as much as it was like a a long journey at times were so challenging or whatever, you know, you get through it and you sort of gloss over it. It's only when conversations like this that I do get an opportunity to look back. Um, I mean, the reality was, Again, I had a nice custom furniture cabinetry business. I had some really good clients. I worked with some, some good architects and designers. And, and then 2008, you know, the market tanked. Everybody kind of went in the dumpster. Um, and I had to do something else. And so what things had slowed down. And so I started saying, you know, to a couple designers and architects, what if we try to do some in, sort of integrate some Ikea cabinetry into the custom sort of project, right? Um, Because at the end of the day, a box is a box and you're just going to see the outside, the beautiful panels and the doors. And so there were a few people um, that that sort of took a chance on that. And that's how it's, you know, and it's like anything. I mean, it's, I was hundred percent custom in 2009 and then it's like, okay, you can start mixing it in and starting to, you know, organically, I don't even know what what kind of, I, I wasn't doing advertising, but blogs had just taken off. And so apartment therapy, had sort of seen seen me at a design show and written about me, which was amazing. That was a really big deal. And LA Times sort of did a did a story on me, which is incredible. And it, it, again, it was it was always organic. And through 2010 and 11, it became okay. Now we're doing half custom, half IKEA, and then every year it's a little bit more um, headed towards full IKEA. Mm-hmm. And so the truth is, I don't know when it was. Maybe 2013 when it was fully just making doors for IKEA, but it was. Yeah. I mean, it it was, it was fun. I mean, and it was, and it was always, it was always a steady progression, you know, always growing every year. Yeah. Sustainably growing, which is a lot different than a lot of other brands these days. Profitable every year. And yeah, I mean, beginning doubling every year, which, which again was not what I expected. And, 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 you know, I mean, part of that, what's, what's funny too, is um, I have incredibly supportive family, but also friends, the guys that I grew up with and, when I was in California at 21 or 22 or 29 or whatever, you know, they were amazing and they loved me and they were supportive, but they probably had no clue on what, where I was headed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't either. And so, so now um, it's fun. I mean, I, I, I give them a hard time constantly about the fact that they probably gave up on me, yeah. you know, not in a bad way, but it's just, I mean, I, I do think that there is a time to sort of, you know, cash, cash in your chips. Right. I mean, it's great to have dreams. There was an interesting kind of, like Scott Galloway kind of thing recently about if you should follow your dream and his sort of overly simplistic thing is definitely do not follow your dream because unless you're sort of willing to pay your bills to start because following your just exclusively your dream can be incredibly impractical. And the people that you admire, certainly the people that I admire weren't these sort of, you know, head up in the clouds kind of people. They worked really hard. 
And that always is, I mean, I, I geek out on, on founder stories, things like podcasts like this, and I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And it's, it's never like an overnight thing, uh, or at least it's, it's rarely. Yeah. So it's, yeah, again, 53 now, this is all like, you know, house money. Um, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So when you started getting more money, you said you were doubling growth, yeah. more revenue, obviously, like where did you invest? How did you think about investing that? Cause I'm sure you were like, woo, like I'm going to go, you know, I mean, have fun no, now. <laughs> no, no it, was, it was never like that. No. Okay. I mean, I will, you know, it's interesting. I, I look, I like nice things like, like, you know, some people do, but I'm pretty frugal in, in, in terms of the business, everything, you know, lives inside the business. Right. And so I was, um, I had a partner at that point, you know, up until three years ago, we made everything in house. Right. So I, I was the original guy making the doors, packing them up and then shipping them to New York or different places. Right. And then um, my partner at the time, Ivan came on board and he was the guy cutting the doors. And then we, you know, we were fortunate to grow. And eventually we had, you know, close to 35, I think 35 or 40 people that were working in production. And so up until three years ago, you know, we topped out at like 75 people and half of them were making products. And now I'm proud to say we don't make anything in house. Um, everything it's, it's made around the U S some of the top uh, manufacturers in the country, but um, that was a huge shift. But, but to answer your question, I mean, everything is, is in the business, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and it is, that's why you see re revenue numbers is, is, are different than, than other things. Um, yeah. So uh, what were some mistakes maybe that you remember where you're like, Ooh, I would have avoided this if I were to do it again, or especially in the more maybe yeah. you know, past five years or something, not like early on when you were just right. starting out. I think, um, you know, if we were going to say like 10 years ago, the mistakes that I made were unavoidable in the sense that I was creating this out of thin air and, and, mm -hmm. and, and Ivan and I were just making stuff up as we went along. Right. We were two guys. He's a little bit younger than me, but he came out from Boston. I came out from Philadelphia to sort of be, you know, writers, you know, and, and, and so in some ways, no business kind of starting this kind of business as I got, you know, in the last five years, it's probably the mistakes that I've made are, um, I don't know, maybe waiting too long um, to, to really build up the team, which is not to say that we didn't have good people. We did, but it's just, um, you know, part of my job now is just looking at the next 12 months and 18 months and say, you know, hopefully where are we going to be? Where do we think we're going to be? And what are we going to need then? And as someone who is, I think, pretty honest about their, their limitations or whatever, I, we only thrive with, with, with people that are smarter or better or more experienced than me. And that's, you know, and that's one of the biggest changes in the last, frankly, six months where we've really just sort of hit the gas and, and brought on some really amazing um, complimentary pieces. Cool. So how do you think about building on top of kind of another company? Like what if Ikea changes their cabinet line or, you know, does something different? Did that ever worry you building a business that's, you know, I mean, a, a lot of businesses are built on other businesses, obviously, yeah. but how did you think about that? We've always been aftermarket. And with Ikea, it's, pretty well documented. We've kind of gone up and down with them, right? They, I think in, in most ways, they, they appreciate what we do. And certainly it's undeniable that, that um, we sell kitchens that people wouldn't normally buy if we weren't available. Mm -hmm. But they also, I think, hate, hate a little bit that we're, we're there, right? I, I don't think, I don't think this is, you know, arrogant or anything to say, they're, they're not going to change their model because of us. They're mm -hmm. never going to not sell doors. And even if they did, I would say to people like, then just buy the doors that literally, literally cost $2. Mm -hmm. 
and we'll and we'll recycle we'll pay for them and recycle them. You know, I mean their model is that a la carte wide range of of pricing. But but we've always been respectful. I mean, again, I, I have immense respect for them and what they've built. And it's extraordinary. I mean, even when my, my fiance and I moved into a new house and it's like going there, buying the basics for the house, it's just nobody can beat it. Yep. I mean, I'm doing that now as well. And I think, like you said, you're opening up a market that they probably wouldn't have accessed otherwise. Yeah. I mean, when I'm thinking about finishing this house now, I honestly would not have thought to go to Ikea to get cabinets. Um I don't know. And then unless I like, and then when I saw you guys, I'm like, oh, well then you can have the finishings and the colors and the things that I actually want. Like, I don't actually care what a cabinet is like inside or behind the scenes, but I care about how it looks. And a lot of the Ikea stuff does look kind of like, you know, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, (laughs) yeah. And it's, it's understandable because at that scale and that's, you know, you, you, you can't get that fancy and creative and, 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 and this is the part where I drop names just in the sense that what, what I do love is we work with some really cool people that, that do make uh, Ikea more accessible. So it is, you know, people like Carly Claus and, and uh, Coco Roca and all kinds of celebrities and, and high-end designers and influencers. And they, you know, more so than us have normalized Ikea, right? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's good for everybody. I mean, if, if design is supposed to be democratic and accessible to everybody, you know, in some ways, nothing more accessible than Ikea. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Amazon and Wayfair and things like that. Walmart? But- Walmart's coming back. I mean, I have bought rugs now, a little egg wicker chair. I mean, it's from following influencers, but I'm like, Walmart's coming up. You know, you're right. I mean, it's funny because the same thing with, with um, my, my fiance, Stephanie, like yesterday we were talking, she was looking at different coffee tables and she said, you know, this is, she showed me a thing and I was like, that's awesome. And she said, oh, it's, it's like the Kelly Clarkson line. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. You know, know. like, and, and, and it, and it's true. Look, certainly you can make the argument that some of that stuff is more disposable and it's going to go into a landfill and less sustainable. I understand that. But, but the reality is not everyone has the same access to, to disposable income, you know? And so if you can get cool stuff, that's reasonably priced and it lasts for a few years. It's, it's hard to turn that down. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you partner with influencers and celebrities, like how does that relationship work? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's always been a huge differentiator for us, but from the start, I always, felt no sort of um, self-consciousness consciousness about reaching out to people. So whether it was blogs, you know, I would say, this is what we're doing. Here's some photos. I'd love for you to write about us or um, even influencers. And so, I mean, the biggest one and the one that we've worked work with the most is um, Sarah Sherman Samuel. And so we've had a, a door line with Sarah for three years. And that's a situation where I got, I think in 2014 or 2015, she reached out and said, Hey, I've, I bought a bungalow in Venice. I love Ikea cabinets. I wonder if, you know, we could partner on some doors. And so we did a small kind of, you know, collaboration, gave her a tiny discount. She painted the doors. She styled everything. She took photography and the kitchen went completely viral. And it's, it's one of those kitchens that is everywhere. Um, it's like a really cool Faro and ball paint, brass and a mixture of like kind of this, this light green and white. And that just opened the door to all these other relationships. And so people saw that and started reaching out to us. And it's, it's been an amazing thing. I mean, the, the, the truth is it's, we've gotten to a point where, you know, we've had to pull back on that mm-hmm. because it's just, it's, it's just a different way to, to, to market the brand and it can be expensive, but it's, but it's definitely grown us. There's no doubt about it. Have you thought about Netflix series? I was just thinking, wow, they should be on a home remodel type of show. I mean, how perfect is that? Always trying to, people always trying to do 
amazing things on a budget on like the HGTV show. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about that stuff in the past. I mean, I I like that stuff and I I, I do think it's interesting, our sort of growth. I mean, that, that's how I always look at things. I mean, the behind the scenes of how businesses grow, especially within that. I mean, I do like someone we haven't we, we haven't worked with uh, in a while, but um, the the Studio McGee. I mean, that that Netflix series, which is great. I mean, that that's really interesting, and, and especially them, especially after listening to a, another podcast, like our friends at been a Business of Home, where I I, I I left the the podcast with so much more respect. Um, because, because my interaction with them was a long time ago. And then I just see the visual, the, the photos and the beautiful stuff, but just the growth that they've had and then the behind the scenes. And again, hearing their story, um, is really extraordinary. I mean, that's, yeah, I enjoy watching that stuff. I don't know if I want to watch this. I get, I get sick of hearing myself talk. So maybe if it's everybody else, that oh. might work. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking like, wow, that'd be a really good partnership strategy. I always bring up the container store partnership that they had on the Netflix series and, just how much container sale, container store sales went up after that series. And I can see why same thing with, you know, cabinets and stuff. Of Yeah. It's, it's interesting um, because even that, again, I'm a lot older than you, but in the early nineties, when like whenever trading, trading spaces sort of came on mm-hmm. um, and that was, that was huge. I mean, like. I watched trading spaces just to be clear. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, even like in the, in the eighties, I mean, the, you know, the, the godfather of that is, is like Bob Vila in this old house. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think, I mean, that's definitely before your time, but that was, that was restoring amazing um, sort of new England homes and stuff. And it was master carpenter, Norm, I think Norm Abrams, just absolute like craftsman. And so that, and that was the start. And then you had trading spaces, but, but I, but I mean, even that you would have thought after 10 years that goes away and it hasn't. And, and that's the thing, like, even is it the, 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 the ladies like home edit and stuff like that? I mean, uh-huh. obviously, Nando, it, it, it hasn't sort of abated. It's, it's just only grown. I mean, obviously you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines and the, and the dynasty that they have built. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it doesn't show any sign of, of stopping or, 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 you know. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the world is now just moving to a more curated collections. Like I'm going to look for someone who kind of knows my style so I don't have yeah. to waste time looking at everything. Whereas before it's like, oh, I'm going to go to Target to get this and I'm going to go to Dollar Tree to get this. I'm going to make it up. And I think, you know, 10 years ago was very much about DIY, but all over the place. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to follow, you know, Chip and Joanna gains their line at Target, whatever that is. And um, like follow the people that I know are my style and be ready to immerse myself in that brand. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the interesting, you know, sort of whether it's the 180 to that is, the amount of growth that um, restoration hardware has had, where it's just um, sort of almost like meteoric, like they being a complete like luxury brand and selling the whole experience, right? I mean, it is kind of um, the like the Ralph Lauren of of like today, where and and now as they move towards hospitality, restaurants, and, and it sounds like hotels, like like part of your brain thinks, man, you can't sustain that. How do you keep growing? But there is a market for that. Mm-hmm. And even when you watch the Studio McGee, that stuff, you know, their, their, their services are not inexpensive. They're, I mean, you know, and Amber Interiors, who we work with, people like that, incredibly talented um, at the really high end of the market. And they, and they keep growing. Yep. So tell me a bit about your omni-channel approach. I saw that you had showrooms around the country, yeah. and then you're obviously online as well. And now you're moving into D2C. Like, how do you think about, um, yeah, keeping a cohesive story of your brand while also expanding and, you know, reaching a lot, a lot of people on different channels. Yeah. The, I mean, the, I guess the biggest challenge, if, if it is the biggest or, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just the fact that what we're selling um, 
comes at a higher price point than the average online purchase, right? So, you know, we sell certainly if you're doing a God Morgan bathroom vanity, that may cost you know, $150, $300, $400. But we're selling cabinet doors and panels and complimentary trim and things like that that can cost $3,000, dollars $5,000, $20,000. You know, again, it's not it's not buying a pair of Warby's or or an away bag for a couple hundred bucks. There's a lot to it, a lot of back and forth. Showrooms were always a part of of we've got to show people, you know, our product, right? Especially when we're asking them to spend that much. The benefit of IKEA is, um, you know, even though they're still a privately held company, there's and there there are only I think less than sixty around the U.S. But what I could say to people to say to you, Stephanie, or, or wherever, like you're in New York. Go to one of the five, you know, local IKEAs, and then come into our our mini kind of. And I never want to call it a showroom because it it could be 200 square feet. I would always say if you want to see a kitchen, go to IKEA and you can see 15 kitchens or see 20 mm-hmm. kitchens. Want to see the doors? Come see us. So we have we've had that in New York, in Brooklyn, in in Chicago, um, obviously in LA, um, Minneapolis, a bunch of different places, and that's. You know, and and again, trying to be reasonable about that. I don't want the overhead of of signing leases if I don't have to, right? So we, so what we've typically done, and we will continue to do even more so, is partner with other great brands. And so it is like a multi-brand approach, right? And so it is, you know, with our lighting friends, with hardware, you know, companies like Rejuvenation, Fire Clay Tile, upcoming collaboration with Caesar Stone. It's um, partnering with Cambria in the past, you know, because the kitchen is. You know, as someone said to me, the, the biggest purchase, if you're fortunate to have them, is a house, there's a car, and then maybe there's you know, like your kitchen. So, yeah, we're trying to sort of um, grow the company that way, right? And so, you know, on the one hand, it would be enough to have a really successful cabinet door company, but I just think we have the opportunity to, to do so much more. And that's kind of what, you know, um, something else we can talk about is, you know, this, this brand Boxy, which is going to launch at the beginning of March, and that's, that really is direct-to-consumer. Um, that's our own product, no IKEA, um, and that's a whole different thing for us. All right. Well, let's move there next. After my one thought, I have many ideas when talking to you now. What about having like partnering with IKEA on their AR app or developing your own AR app? So instead of having to have a showroom, being like going to IKEA, pull up your phone, and then you can swipe right. through the designs of ours, and you can see exactly what that trim would look like with that you know doorknob or whatever. So then you kind of eliminate showrooms. Yeah. I mean, it is, no, it is, it is interesting. Look, I mean, the thing with Ikea, they, they have partnered with people in the past. I mean, obviously places like Target have done um, like an amazing job of that, right? Completely, uh, and as you said, Walmart too. Um, it always seemed like the natural fit with us. I mean, if you were going to do it with anybody, it would be us. In terms of the AI, yeah. I, I mean, Ikea has been sort of slow and has, has, has put a huge sort of push in the last couple of years of their, of their online presence. And their e-com, they, they have an app they launched um, just last month. And so, I mean, what we are doing with the new brand is working with a 3D AI company called Skip. Um, it's it's going to launch in the next few months. That lets you basically not go into showrooms. I mean, that you know, there are, there are ways to order this new line of cabinets. And one of them is to make an appointment and someone comes to your house and 3D scans your room. And so, and then you you design remotely. And so with 80 hours of AI and machine learning and everything else, um, it's compressing sort of that and then presenting you with design options. That's cool. You know, because I mean, it is, but COVID or not, I mean, it was headed towards that, right? The new iPhones have have the have the the camera technology where you can almost do that. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe in twelve to fifteen months, you don't even need a guy to come to your house. You can do it with your iPhone. 
I mean, they're yeah. already pretty close, you know? I mean, I think it's there. I have a little tape measure app on my phone and it says, okay, yeah. scan the whole room and you do right. that. And then you can measure everything. And it's, it and puts the placeholders all around the room for you and it remembers it. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, and so even like, you know, brands like primer that launched last year, which do, you know, that work with other brand partners and you want to click on like a Hoogan West wallpaper, you can sort of hold it up to your wall and they'll show you different swatches and things like that. I mean, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And for us, yeah, I mean, that is, that is part of what we think is a differentiator. I mean, Ikea is always going to have massive brick and mortar, even though they move in some cities towards smaller footprints, it's still footprints that are 20,000 to 150,000 as opposed mm-hmm. to 300,000. Um, there's another cabinet line that's launching, it just launched, it's got a 30,000 square foot showroom on the East Coast and 100 kitchens. And it's just, and you go in and wear the AR or the VR goggles. And that's, uh, that's completely different because you're looking at some sort of space that has nothing to do with yours. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the point is things are changing so fast. And with Boxy, it is, it is saying, how, you know, can you make this as DTC as possible? The caveat being it's, it could cost ten to fifteen to $20,000. Okay, so like, tell me what, what is Boxy then since we haven't really touched on it yet. You know, I mean, what, what, Boxy is the, the first um, American direct-to-consumer cabinet brand. It's a cabinet system for the entire home, right? So, you know, it's basically taking the last 10, 11 years of everything we've learned from Ikea and saying, you know, let's, let's try and offer something, you know, I don't want to say better than Ikea because um, I, again, I have huge respect for them, but it's, it's a more complete package, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly the quality is there. The accessibility is there. You know, I mean, one of, one of many things that, that we're going to improve on is the fact that semi-handmade customers have to go to Ikea first. I mean, that's just, it's a two-part process where you've mm-hmm. got to go to Ikea, you've got to order the cabinets and hardware, and then you've got to order the doors from us. I mean, and, you know, thank God that they do, but especially in the last, you know, year, um, Ikea, like a lot of people has suffered horribly with, with supply chain issues, you know? And so we have customers now, unfortunately it's January, that are, that are hearing, you know, cabinet boxes might not be available for three, four or five months. Because I ordered of, a couch from Pottery Barn and uh-huh. it's four months out, which I did not realize when I hit order. I'm like, I mean, I just didn't look, I guess, but. No, and, and that's, and that's, yeah. And, and like, as a business, I, like a, on a personal level, that, that annoys me because I, you know, I want, I want, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. We, we have such ridiculous like expectations because they're, they're easily met or they have been up until now. And, you know, not, not to blame Amazon because, you know, that's too easy and we're all, I'm, I'm a hypocrite about Amazon too. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, it's so yeah, with Boxy, we're saying no big box stores, someone can come to you, um, things ship, you know, leave the factory in a week. Um, I mean, part of what we're doing, you know, you're, you're from Palo Alto, you know, I don't know if you're born there, but like, you know, it's, it's almost like an in and out burger, like a West coast approach, meaning we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to do a limited number of items and we're, we're going to do it great. But what they do is, you know, they're great. And what's interesting about that is they, um, I think, you know, I'll just a little, little background on burgers. I think the original, the, the, the founder was like best friends with Carl Karcher, who started Carl's Jr., another big West Coast place. Mm-hmm. And they, in the 50s, they opened hamburger stands like right next to each other. And the In-N-Out guys thing was always, I'm not worried about competition. You're welcome to open across the street from me next door or whatever, because I'm just going to bury you. I'll just be that much better. Not, not, not like in an obnoxious kind of, you know, overly competitive way, but just like, this is going to raise our game. And so with us, with Boxy, yeah, limited selection, fast turnaround ships in a week, never need to go to a big box store. It's built in the U S at a really competitive price point. I mean, that's, 
the idea. Yeah. I love that it's built in the U.S. I think that a lot of companies right now are bringing things back into the U.S. and some are struggling seeing, you know, how expensive things can be and like, yeah, what was happening overseas and maybe how it's just different here. Like, what did you guys learn from Ikea that you're taking with you? And then what are you kind of discarding where you're like, we're going to do this different though? I think, I mean, again, it's, I mean, in some ways I learned everything from Ikea. I mean, look, I learned a couple of things. One of them is you can't compete with them in terms of pricing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the most basic thing. I mean, I always say like with Amazon, the same thing. You can't, up until now, I mean, and, and then the t- and then the turnaround, lead time. I mean, up until recently with with the, with COVID, you could, you could buy a kitchen, you know, today and bring it home today, mm-hmm. right? I mean, nobody else could do that at, at, a, at a crazy price. And, and, you know, best of all, really high quality. I mean, Ikea, to their credit, pretty much every year for, you know, as long as I can remember the last 10 years, is right at the top of like JD Power uh, customer satisfaction in terms of quality, customer service, things like that. I mean, they, you know, you could complain about certain products from Ikea uh, and their quality, but their kitchens, I, I think are like inarguable. Uh, and I would always get as much as, you know, I'm not affiliated with them directly. Um, I, I always get, would get defensive when people would sort of slag them because it's, you know, it's also understanding that the product that they offer, you know, it, and this is this blows some Americans' minds, but it's a it's a particle board core with a melamine skin, um, a three quarter melamine box, and that's standard in the entire world for kitchen cabinets. The, the most expensive cabinet brands in the world um, are constructed the same way. In the U.S., that's less less the case because seventy percent of the market wants a frame around their cabinet, mm-hmm. right? So it's literally a face frame cabinet, um, and and the European style that IKEA is is called frameless 32 millimeter. But again, we've learned, I've learned everything. So we're, we're deeply indebted to them. Well, is there anything that you're changing though, now that you are exploring D2C? That's going to be Yeah, different? I mean, I think, I think, I mean, we'll always have the ability with, with semi-handmade, one of, one of the differentiators were, and you'll always have this when you're smaller, you know, we're microscopic compared to them, is just being able to be nimble, to be able to get more custom, to be able to offer certain, just sort of versatility that they, they could never do. Right. I mean, limited run doors, ability to do appliance panels for 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 really anything. With semi handmade, we could we could we could always do that. We continue to we can do sort of upgrades with with matching. You know, we used to do open cabinets that match your doors and things like that. We do less of that now. With boxy, it's you know what what will, what will be interesting is because you know the the hope is like anybody to scale and to have you know short lead times, quick turnaround. We're not going to offer as much customization, but we are. Um, we've learned like what, you know, in terms of people's taste, I mean, we have, we have eight doors, which are basically the biggest sellers for semi-handmade, you know, it's basic white, gray, black, and some wood tones. And it's not saying like we have a semi-handmade, here's 45 choices. I mean, I, I, uh, that's, that's fun to me because, you know, if anything kind of, you know, you can, you can have too, too many options and that can be yep. paralyzing. I'm just going to say that I appreciate when things are curated or right. already shows me something cute. And I'm just like, I'll have that, whatever that yeah. is, the white. But the gold and the brown, perfect. That's what I want. Not, you know, choose every single piece of it, which I think right. is uh, for a lot of e-commerce. I mean, that's what I've heard throughout many interviews. Don't give so many choices. Right. Show people what you think or know that they're going to want based off of preferences or, you know, how they're interacting with your site or whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, and that's part of uh, if, if there's been, you know, there's, there've been multiple challenges with, with getting Boxy off the ground, um, understandably. But I think the biggest one is kind of like you said, I, I was even on a call today, there was seven of us, you know, on the, on the screen. And I said, you know, if the seven of us were the typical, you know, technology guys or girls, 
that you know knew nothing about socks but were launching a socks brand, we wouldn't we wouldn't bring all this baggage to it about what we thought we knew. With semi handmade, we have all this great knowledge, but some of it can sort of get in the way with it with the new brand because mm-hmm. the new brand. So for it to really work, you can't do all the customization. There's certain things with semi handmade where we'll make exceptions, we'll do things, and of course you always want to service the customer first and foremost. But it's just you know recognizing that if the goal is for this really to take off and grow, which I which I think it will. We have to be a little stricter, like a little more brand fidelity, like say, this is, this is who we are. This is how we get to where we want to go and then stick to that. Yeah. That seems tricky having two different hats where you and your team are yeah. like, we know what works. This is what works. Right. We build a company that does this. And then having kind of like a slow creep where you turn the other brand into the same thing. And like you said, you have to really be strict about, you know, creating a whole new company with a new vision and making sure everyone's on board to not just let the old company creep in and yeah, yeah turn it into... I, mean, I think in some ways too, whether in a good way or a bad way, the fact that we were fortunate to have, you know, growth and success with Semi Handmade, it's either make, made it easier or harder to get the new venture off because you, it, it buys you certain time. You know, if, if we were a startup, we raised funding, we've got 18 months of runway, all these different things, that would be different. Mm-hmm. And so probably things have taken longer. Um, but on the other hand, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And, and, and when this launches, I mean, what we leverage is, yeah, it's 10 years of semi-handmade. It's 25,000 projects. It's incredible. You know, we have 2,000 semi-pro designers around the country that are chomping at the bit to offer this. It's, it's relationships we've got with Rejuvenation and, and Cafe Appliances and Caesar Stone that are going to be partners that I continue to remind people, and even myself, like if we were a startup, we'd never have this stuff. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have five, six amazing influencer projects which are going to roll out in the next six weeks with the new launch you know, you'd just be, you'd be launching and then, you know, keeping your fingers crossed. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So let's move over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I'm going to ask you a question and you have one minute or less. Prepare, get your water, do a little shaking out, do what you got to do. All right. Are you ready, John? Yep. All right. What one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? Uh, that's a great question. How long do I have a minute for this? Yep, one minute. I'm I'm cynical about the fact that in some ways, yeah, a lot of a lot of companies have, have taken off. I mean, Instacart and, and things like that, but even like Wayfair. Mm-hmm. I was reading about Bed Bath and Beyond and, and today, and I think the question is whether or not that'll be sustained. Right when 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 life comes back to normal, which hopefully inevitably will, um, certainly people are will be more inclined to to shop online. There's no doubt about that. The world has changed and it's not going to go back. But, but there are companies that have gotten kind of a little, a little frothier or whatever that I think that that artificial um, is, is going to kind of wear off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it's normalized. It's great. I mean, I, there's stuff I would have never done. I mean, even with, with not econ, but like with Zoom, we hired, you know, our, our, our new president, Beth and Molly, who runs um, marketing and stuff. I hired three of our highest people remotely. Mm-hmm. They're based in New York. I would have never done that. Yeah. I would have never trusted people or trusted myself. And now it's it's normal. Yeah. I mean, I was slow with grocery delivery and curbside pickup. And yeah. it forced me to do that because I was the one who always wanted to go to the grocery store, look around, yeah. wave to my friends, whatever it may be. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go there anymore. There's no point. I'll save my time and yeah. do other things. <laughs> it is kind of amazing. I mean, it is, it is to me, it's more interesting to see how those those people make money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's the part where it's it's one thing to do great revenue, but obviously, you know, profitability is a thing. Yeah. Unless it's not your money. And that's the other thing too. You know, when it is your money, it's a, it's much more of a focus. 
Yep. Yeah. We just had someone from Intel on who was saying that they worked with a hardware store and they were struggling because contractors were coming in and placing like 40, 50 item orders for curbside pickup. And oh, really? because they were like, why would I send in my contractor and pay them to be there for two to three hours when I could just have yeah. you all do it? Oh, and so they're struggling with trying to figure out the program because they weren't really, you know, expecting that. Yeah, so, which that's I'm interesting. Like, that's scary. What's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you? I mean, business-wise or otherwise? Anything, whatever comes to mind. Uh, I mean, I guess the, the biggest cliche was um, my son's mom having my son. I mean, you know, like, yeah. I mean, that, that's probably- That's a good one. Yeah, Having three I mean, kids, I appreciate that answer. Yeah, I mean that, that. I mean that from the heart. Yeah, that's a good one. What's up next on your reading list? Um, I, I constantly have five or six books I'm reading. So, and that, that's interesting too, because you know whether it's because I, you know, I, I pursued writing for a long time. Like even like e- I haven't made the jump to eBooks, and so there are, there mm-hmm. are a few like writers that I that I correspond with on Twitter and Twitter is another thing that I didn't use that much before this, mm-hmm. but I, I've asked them like, well, what's the feeling on eBooks? Is it, is it like cheating or whatever? And, you know, and of course these guys and girls want to sell books. So they, <laughs> they're not going to consider it cheating if you buy their ebook. Yep. But I mean, the, the response I got from a bunch of them was it's best in some ways for, for nonfiction. So I read tons of nonfiction. So I'm reading um, say nothing, which is a story about the troubles in Ireland. I'm finishing a great book on, on e-commerce called the billion dollar um, brands book. Uh, something like that. It's, it's, it, that, that's spectacular. Um, I've got so many, I'm reading a book on Chinatown, um, the making of the movie. I, I love a lot of different things, but it is mainly it's, it's less fiction now and it is, it is more nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Very cool. What is your favorite cabinet design? What's in your house? Um, my house. Um, it's interesting because in, in my house uh, that I share with my son, who I, I split custody with, we have a more contemporary kitchen. It's Walmart. It's kind of very, it's unique. I mean, we sell a fair amount of walnut and it is one of a kind. Every kitchen is different. Mm -hmm. That's a little more contemporary, even though it's wood, it's kind of contemporary. In the house with my fiance, um, where she lives, that's a more traditional, right? It's it's a shaker kitchen. It's got some really pretty hardware. So yeah, I mean, I guess I'm very particular about what I like, but but in general, even when she and I have arguments about furniture, I just say like, just buy them, like buy something quality. And mm-hmm. it, it'll fit with everything else. I know it's kind of a cop out, but that's where I've sort of landed. Like, yep. I love eclectic as long as it's it's nice quality. Yep. All right. And then the last one, if you were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And who would your first guest be? That's a great question. You know, I like a lot of, you know, probably like you. I mean, I, I like a lot of different things, right? So I, even podcasts, same thing. I didn't listen mm-hmm. to before, frankly, a year ago. Like I listened to one the other day, Mark Marin was really talented, funny guy. He's been doing podcasts for about 10 years. And he had this guy, Daniel Lanois, who's a big time record producer and did like U2 and, and all kinds of uh, amazing people. Um, and I was, I was amazed at the depth of, 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 of Marin's like knowledge of, of music, mm-hmm. like, you know, and so I, I don't have that. I don't know. I, 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 I like diverse things. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I could do it because I'm, I like to think I'm a good listener, but I'm, I'm probably not because I'm always ready to say something. Uh-huh. And obviously, you know, and like in your spot or whatever, to, to do it well, you should be listening to people. I, I love, again, I, you know, I love, I love screenwriting podcasts. I like anything. I like news podcasts. Okay. So there'd be a little bit of everything. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I, 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 could, I could do this kind of thing. I mean, I, I, if we were talking about remodeling, if anything, it would always have an edge to it. I mean, if I were going to do a show, I mean, that's the thing. Like, my, I gravitate less, maybe not towards Gordon Ramsay, 
but like Anthony Bourdain, like there, there would be like an edge to it. It wouldn't be, even when I was inside people's houses, I, I, I don't know if I was combative, but I had very strong opinions about like with architects and designers and homeowners and what I thought they, they should want. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, the one thing I don't like is when it's all kind of sweet and saccharine and, and, yeah. and artificial. Yeah. So something with an edge. I like that. That sounds good. All yeah. right, John. Well, this has been a pleasure having you on. Where can people find out more about you and your work? Sure. So semi handmade, we can do semihandmade.com. And then Boxy, which launches March 1st, is at Boxy Living. So B O X I L I V I N G.com. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate the time. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. It was fun. Thanks for having me, Seth. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.